If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 4. I've really got a dilemma. I want to preach two messages, and uh, I did preach too long this morning. I thought we was going to be here all day, but uh, I had to get finished, and I thank God that the Lord touched our hearts about despising one another. That means taking each other for granted. I'm in a family series, and um, you know I, I just really appreciate so much... Uh, a chance to go preach to other churches, but I felt like I needed to preach to our church uh, most most of the time. Only I only uh, go once in a while out of town on Sunday, and I've been doing that for 40 years. Just I feel like that we ought to minister one to another here, and that God's called me to minister uh, here first and foremost because we all have problems and we all have temptations. But I want you to look at Proverbs chapter. Four, just for a few moments, and uh, I'll try to be as brief as I can. But I want to preach on uh, the battle that every man faces, and also the most important building project that every man has. And this can also apply in our daily lives of the attacks that we have on us uh, through this day of technology, multimedia. And uh, we need to be, we need to keep our guard up. In Proverbs chapter 4, if you'll stand with me in honor of the Word of God, we salute the Word of God every time we stand. And uh, we're going to salute the flag with the veterans next week. We're going to have some special gifts for them. And then Sunday night, we're going to let them take over, give testimonies. It'll be a blessing. I appreciate our veterans. As I said this morning, I said a little too bluntly, that if you don't stand when the uh, national anthems, uh, Played, I advise you to find another country or just try to join a team and make millions of dollars. But when you're in this church, uh, we appreciate our veterans uh, as they will lead us in the salute to our flag next week, Veterans Weekend. It says the, in the Bible in verse 23, Keep the heart with all diligence, for out it are, are the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23, Keep the heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and a perverse lips. Put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thy eyelids look straight before thee. In other words, stay focused. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways and let all the, thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. It says. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard the discretion, that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter wormwood, poison, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou cannot know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, listen now, remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh to the door of her house. Lest thou give thy honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with the, thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of strangers, and thou mourn as the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. 
And I have, it says, And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined thine ear to, to them that instruct me. I was all, it says, I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. And here's our text tonight. Drink water out of thine own cistern, and running water out of thy own well. In other words, have a wonderful, exciting marriage in your own home. Lest thy fountain be dispersed abroad in rivers of water in the street. Lest them, let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Listen now. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be in the loving high and pleasant row. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Be thou ravished always with her love. And while wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and, be, and he pondereth all his goings. In other words, you ought to fear God. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You may be seated while you pray. Father, thank you that, Lord, the devil's strategy we're not ignorant of. We know how he works on our minds, how God he uses things of the world and things to influence uh, men and ladies and boys and girls to dive into sin one word at a time, one step at a time, one emotion at a time. God help us to heed verse 23 of chapter 4 that we keep our hearts with all diligence. And Lord, thank you for this message. I really didn't want to preach this message, but you're, you're uh, moving me to do it, so I'm going to obey you rather than myself. And Lord, I pray it'll be a blessing and a help to not only the married couples here, but those that are single and one day will be married. And we'll praise you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, there was a big problem between David and Micah. They started despising each other. They started disrespecting each other. He, he became excited about the Ark of the Covenant. He got excited about bringing home the presence of God, pitched a party, danced before the Lord, took off his kingly robe, and put on a low old, uh, linen ephod, and then Micah began to despise him in her heart. Then David began to despise her, led to despising the commandments, led to adultery, led to murder, led to four children dying. Uh, the little baby, uh, the illegitimate baby died uh, at a sheep shearing party. Uh, we see that uh, Absalom killed Amnon because he raped his half-sister Tamar. And then Absalom was hung from a tree by his long hair and darts from his own men were pierced his, his heart. He, he, it cost him. Sin will cost you. And folks, I love the book of Proverbs because it starts out uh, with wisdom, but then it ends with a, with a glimpse of seeing the end of sin. And if only we could see the end of sin, as Proverbs chapter 4 verse 26 says, Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. In other words, find out where the bus is going before you get on it. Say amen. And I want you to know every man's battle and every woman's battle is self-sufficiency. I mean centered on self and sustained. And, and uh, Micah had a problem with pride and David had a problem with pride. And then we see the, the battle of uh, uh, sexual temptation. Let me say this. The devil is a, 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 a deceitful and wicked but he's obvious in his strategy. He takes natural desires 
and wants you to satisfy them in a sinful way. For instance, let me give one that I never preach on. It's a blessing to have an appetite. Say amen. When I do not eat, my wife knows I am very, very sick or fasting. And, uh, and she knows something's wrong. As soon as I recover, I say, bring me my fork. <laughs> and I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting better when I have an appetite for strawberry shortcake and huckleberry pie and Briar's ice cream with a little chocolate on top. Amen. I, uh, and that's my weakness. But, you know, it's, it's all right to have rest, but it's, it's a sin to be lazy. It's all right to drink, but it's a sin to be drunk, and one-tenth drunk is drunk. Say amen. I believe in total absence. I don't believe you ought to even look towards it when it turns red or, or ferments. Amen. That's what the Bible says. And you want to see the end of sin, read Proverbs ch chapter 23, and it'll tell you that you'll get so drunk that you'll get bruised and wake up the next morning and go right back to it. Addiction. And so there's natural desires. It's natural, and it's, and it's, and it's, uh, sanct it's not safe sex, it's sanctified sex when you're married. And folks, it's a natural desire. But outside of marriage, it's adultery. Before marriage, it's fornication. And the worst thing you can do, young people, is to uh, 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 be intimate with someone before marriage because it messes everything up. You feel obligated to, to, uh, to marry the old boy, and he probably just felt obligated to get what he wanted. I believe you ought to keep yourself for marriage. I believe you ought to be a package unused, pardon expression, a gift unused when you present yourself in the honeymoon chamber. Can somebody say amen? But folks, I want you to notice there's a fantasy of an affair. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, As a man thinketh, so is he. In Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says you ought to keep your heart and that heart doesn't mean this pump. It means this mind, this will, and this emotion. I hope you all saw my definition that I got from W.A. Criswell on worship. That's everything that we ought to have. We ought to have our mind and our will and our emotions captivated by Christ. That's why Christ-honoring music is essential for good worship. It's essential. We cannot have the world come in here and pollute our mind with ungodly rhythm and ungodly lyrics or whatever, we need to keep our minds stayed on uh, what's scriptural and what's holy and what's appropriate. But I, I see that in, in chapter 5, something very dangerous takes place. We see a man that learned the hard way, and he's advising his son, for the, uh, this says, For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Folks, I want you to see that uh, there's a battle going on. And that battle is for us to walk with God and to fear God and, and to be uh, faithful and loyal to our mate. But the devil, the devil knows how to lure you. And I want to talk about that just a second, about emotional affairs tonight. But folks, we walk in the Spirit is the greatest defense against the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We're heirs together of the grace of, li of, grace of life. And folks, we honor one another, amen? And especially the husband honors the, uh, the, the wife and, and ministers. In other words, there's a wonderful relationship that guards you against the honeycomb poison of a flattering lips. Look at verse 3. For the lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Oh, folks, listen, the Bible has the key to keeping yourself pure in marriage, and it's a warning from God Almighty that it starts with smooth words. 
You know, I, I really believe this with all my heart. We live in a day and age where it's hard to stay mentally clean and emotionally clean. There's a thing called the Internet that can cause a person to have access to millions and millions of unwholesome, ungodly things uh, uh, that you shouldn't have ever enter your mind, like pornography. It's wicked. It's adulterous. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. It's a fantasy. It low rates your wife. It is an ungodly sin. Uh, it's aggressive. It's addictive. And it's deadly to a relationship. Pornography. It's a four and a half billion dollar business in the United States per year. There's 84 million sites that can pop up in front of your eyes. That's why you should never let your teenager have a computer in their bedroom with locked doors. It's, it's just asking for trouble. You say they can handle it. No, they can't handle it. The Bible says they can't handle it. And folks, I want you to know we ought to be careful and have covenant eyes and somebody ought to be watching what we have on our computer and folks, I want to tell you something. It is a very aggressive sin. It's a very aggressive sin. And folks, I want to tell you something. Garbage in, garbage out. Because I want to tell you something. That fantasy sometimes leads to reality and people become perverted and they abuse children and they get unfaithful to their wife or their husband because of the pornography that puts a plan in their eyes. They get that thought and they want to carry it out with action. It's ungodly. And folks, our cell phones available, the iPads are available, I'm telling you the computer's available, it's more available than ever before. We need to guard against it. Amen? That needs to be preached. I don't know if anybody's going to say amen or you're going to walk out, it don't matter to me. But I want to tell you something, the Bible gives us this wisdom that the lips of a strange woman uh, drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. But look at the end of it, look at verse 4. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Folks, that means poison. Her feet go down to death. That's the trap. For steps take hold on hell, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. You ought to find out what's important, and it's godliness, and it's pursuing purity. Her ways are movable, that, that thou cannot know them. In other words, it's deceiving. It's hard to get a grip on this. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her and come not nigh to the door of her house what's that saying you can't handle it every man's battle i'd say every woman's battle every teenager battle every college student's battle you can't handle it the bible says the abstain from the appearance of evil you know why god's protecting you hey listen you play around the fire you're going to get burned say amen and folks, we need to walk together as heirs of the grace of God. We need to be accountable to our mates. We don't need to despise them and have separate lives as, as David and Micah did. We need to be close and intimate with our mate as a great defense against the onslaught of Satan who wants to ruin and damage your, your marriage. We had a great preacher one time that I thought was such a great orator. He was written up at the sword of the Lord. He had the were, uh, the largest church in Georgia as far as num uh, numerically and, and uh, I preached at the church uh, on a Sunday night after he, he had to resign and he was such a great preacher I booked him every year for the spring conference come to find out he got into pornography then he got into pornography during his meetings when he was preaching all around the world he would, uh, he would uh, uh, this pornography led to prostitutes he got caught thank God 
And I want to tell you something, friend. I preached at his church the Sunday after it all fell apart. And I want to tell you something. One of the world's largest church, the church in Georgia, the church in Decatur, Georgia, you could see the heartbreak and the heartache. And that church just went through terrible times. I recommended Brother Lou Rossi as pastor, and he was there for seven years, and he said the church was full of adultery and full of pornography, and he rebuked it, and he, he tried his best to, because the devil got a, a foothold. And now I want to tell you this, friend, the largest church in Georgia, numerically speaking, written up as the 10 fastest growing churches in America, does not exist today. They combined with another church in Stone Mountain. And they don't even exist. That's what pornography can do. That's what adultery can do. That's what ungodliness can do. Folks, it can take you lower than you ever thought it'd take you. Look at the Bible. It says, it says, Lest thou give thy honor unto another, and the years unto the cruel. Let strangers be filled with thy wealth. Could that be child support? Could that be visiting hours? Folks, it's not worth it. See the end of sin and you won't go there. Find out where the bus of sin is going and you won't go there. Hey, listen, have an intimate relationship with your wife that you let her look over your shoulder when you're, when you're uh, on the computer. And if something pops up, you go run and tell her that it wasn't uh, something that you wanted to be popping up on your screen. and Let her deal with it and erase it or whatever you do to them. Amen. Folks, it ought to be an intimacy of relationship because look at this. It says, lest, I get, lest strangers be filled with thy well, and thou mourn at last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Could that be venereal disease? Sure could be. Look at this. And it says, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof? And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined thine ears to them that instruct me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. Man went out of town. He decided he was going to have an affair. He'd never been unfaithful to his wife in all his life, but he, he called a prostitute and had an uh, intimate relationship, or not intimate, a uh, physical relationship with her. And when he woke up the next morning, she was gone. And in lipstick on the mirror, it said, Welcome to the world of AIDS. Your sins will find you out. And I'll tell you something, it'll cost you a lot more than you ever thought it would. It'll keep you a lot longer than you ever thought it would, and it'll destroy your marriage. That's right. And folks, here's the, here's the whole rim. This is what I'm going to get to, and I'll, I'll, I'll make this point and we'll go. It says, drink water out of thine own system and running water out of thine own wells. Then it goes explicitly how intimate and wonderful marriage should be in the intimate relationship. By the way, the world flips it. It always says, get physical. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says, be spiritual have emotional oneness, and then you express love. You don't make love. That's a worldly term. You express love from the other levels of oneness. Say amen. And if it, those two levels are not right, the lady always feels used. And I'm going to tell you something. It's just physical. Amen. There's a spiritual oneness. There's an emotional oneness. And there is definitely a physical expression of those two onenesses. And that's the way it ought to be. That's what the Bible says. Drink water out of their own system. You know what that's saying? Keep it fresh at home. <laughs> Amen. Have an affair in your marriage. Meet the, each other's needs. Have some romance. What is romance? It's God's love in action. Say amen. It's not just a physical relationship. Get your mind right. Friend, it's, a, it's treating with kindness. It's having manners. It's hugging in the kitchen as well as the bedroom. 
Amen. Now, I'm telling you, I'm just preaching tonight what God's laid on my heart. And I saw all these children and visitors, and I said, oh, my goodness, Lord, you really want me to preach this? He said, yes, so here I am, trying to obey God. But folks, listen, when I thought about how he had nothing to do with Micah, he had that affair with Bathsheba, and he killed her husband. I thought about this passage, that he should have listened, that he should have realized, and folks, that she should have realized, that the lips of a strange woman drop his honeycomb. And folks, I want you to notice, and uh, it says that you, you ought to keep it fresh. You ought to keep it inviting. You ought to keep it thrilling. You ought to realize the needs of your wife and the needs of the husband. The greatest need of a husband is significance. You ought to make him feel significant. So when old Jezebel starts bragging on him and flattering and saying, my husband doesn't pay attention to me like you do, and he don't appreciate me like you do, and that's when, boss, you ought to run from that secretary as far as you can run and get tennis shoe sanctification and flee. That's what Joseph did. Say amen. And then when he comes home, don't find fault with him all the time, ladies. Just say, praise God, I'm glad you're home. I love you. And let's go out on a date and you're paying. Praise God. Amen. Steak. Candlelight. Hallelujah. Have a date night. All you ladies say amen right there. I'll, I'll mention it one more time if you'll amen. But drink water out of thine own cistern. But look at Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. The Bible says, My son, keep thy father's commandments, sake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them upon thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou wakest, it shall talk with thee. Best defense is a good offense. Be full of God's word. Be good, full of godly music. Be full of God's images. And praise God. Look at this. For the commandment is a lamp and a law is light. Reproof and instructions are the way of life to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattering of the tongue of a strange woman. And it can be the flattering of the tongue of a strange man also. Lust not after her beauty in thy heart, neither let her take thee with the eyelids. For by means of a horse woman a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulterers will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? And in the Hebrew there's a question mark there and that means no. You cannot take fire in and not get burned. Can one go upon the coals and his feet not be burned? Look at verse 29 now. So he that goeth unto his neighbor's wife, whosoever touches her, shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he still to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he, listen, but if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold, and he shall give all the substance of his house. That means deal with sin and deal with temptation. But look at verse 32. But whosoever committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is a rage of man, therefore he will not spare the day of vengeance. You can get killed doing this. For he will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. Folks, I believe the word's explicit. And I believe the word is a good warning. And I believe the word tells us how we can nip it in the bud, excuse me, how you can nip it in the mind. You know, a physical or sexual affair may be a one-time mistake, which could certainly end your marriage. 
But an emotional affair is an ongoing choice and requires both people to constantly lie to themselves and to their spouse, to their children, to their friends. Not all physical affairs become emotional, but majority of an emotional affairs, according to verse 3, will become physical. An emotional affair, also called an affair of the heart, is a sort of connection often described as love. And for that reason, someone called an emotional affair will not immediately look for forgiveness from their spouse because they typically won't out of the marriage. And I want you to know how you can know you're having an emotional affair. Number one, you often say, we're just friends when talking about the other person. We're just friends. And any relationship that you have to justify or otherwise hide from your spouse is a problem and will likely cause incredible pain to you and your spouse and family. Number two, you look forward to seeing him or her. That's an emotional affair. You get butterflies in your stomach when you know they're going to be around and when you get to talk to them. You find yourself dressing up or making sure you smell good before you see them. Number three, you daydream about him or her. Can you share those thoughts with your spouse? You should. If the answer is no, then you're likely having a dangerous emotional affair. I'll let you turn that off. Number four, how often do you talk to him? It's one thing to call or text a friend from time to time, but when the friend is the opposite sex and you're frequently calling or texting one another, then there's a problem. Let me tell you this. There was a certain church where there was a terrible affair that put a cloud over the church and almost killed the pastor and made him resign. And they told me that the lady had two secret cell phones. And that was her texting phone. Hiding it. You know, those little quick little plans that they have. Folks, I want to tell you something. My wife knows every cent I spend, and I know I hope every cent she spends. I was looking at her to make sure I got a confirmation on that. Amen. And we don't have nothing to hide, say amen. And if you are hiding something... You're probably up to something that's no good. And folks, I'm trying to help you today. I can preach a little sweet message on love, but I want to tell you something, friend. You need to watch your daydreaming. You need to watch your texting. You need to watch your Facebooking, especially with the opposite sex. Because that smooth words can turn into wormwood. And folks, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to often affirm your mate. And often praise them. Often. I asked my wife on the way home, I said, honey, you think I preached too long? She wouldn't answer. <laughs> She's usually a professional liar. So, oh, yeah, that's the best message you ever preached. But how often do you talk to him? It's one thing to call or text a friend, but, I mean, do you do it every day? Do you share intimate things with him? There's never a good reason to share intimate details of your marriage with somebody else of the opposite sex. Say amen. Typically, an affair starts with because of some level of connection. First, you, you discover a great deal in common, like music, hobbies, or whatever. But I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible tells us that we ought to cast down every imagination that exalted itself 
2 Corinthians 10, 5. That means you ought to have some boundaries in your life. Amen? You ought to abstain from the appearance of evil and you need to watch out. Because when you're having an emotional affair, the best possible version of that person is what you're seeing. Hey, you wake up and your wife looks like she's had a rough night. She has. She's lived with you about 30 years. That's, a rough, that's not even a rough night. That's a rough life. And her curly hair is going every which way. And all you see is that spruced up secretary and her best version. And you have your best version. But I want to tell you something, folks. That's not the, that's not the final version. Say amen. The truth is that the, the devil shows you the front yard of sin but never shows you the backyard of sin. Hey, the devil shows you chapter 1 but never shows you the end of the chapter. The devil promises you a tuxedo and you end up with striped outfit up here at the uh, penitentiary known as the jail, Brother Larry. The devil promises you riches and fame and you end up broke and you can't pay attention. The devil promises you fame and fortune and you end up in a mental institute or in jail or regretting the rest of your life that you have to have your children come visit you once a week. See, the devil's crafty. The devil's deceiving. The devil always paints a pretty picture. And folks, the solution to having an emotional affair is found in verse 15 where it says in chapter 5, I want you to look at it one more time, drink water out of the own cistern and running water out of the own well. I'll develop this next Sunday night, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. Romance is an act of chivalry. It's love in action. It's Christ-like love. Two people that are married right with God, spirit-filled, can overflow with God's love. And that beats any affair that you could ever have. Folks, I want to tell you something. Don't ever let the devil whisper sweet nothings to you that you're missing out on real excitement and real love. Because it's a fantasy of an affair. And all it is is a fantasy. And all God's people said, let's pray. Father, I preached what you told me to preach. I wrestled with it the whole preacher's meeting. God, I preach what you want me to preach. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that we'd realize how far sin can take you. I'll never forget the first two years of my ministry as a young youth pastor, finding out that my pastor committed adultery with the secretary. The church was booming, 500 in a storefront. And then that he killed his wife, Miss Connie's best friend. And Lord, that almost took me out of the ministry for good. But Lord, I thank you that we can keep our eyes stayed on thee. And God, that we can keep our mind stayed on the word of God and it will give us perfect peace and power to go on. Lord, I pray for a hedge around every marriage in this room, in this, in this sanctuary, that God would never be deceived by the smooth words. But God, that we'd be one that would minister thoughtful, kind, considerate words at home. That we'd be a good mirror 
of our wife's self-image by our praise for her and our affirmation for her. That, Lord, we'd make our marriage a ministry and not just manipulate to get our little ways. God, that we would realize it requires wisdom and insight far above us, and it requires your love to minister properly to our mate. Lord, what I'm asking for is that you'd keep the water fresh in each marriage in this church, and that you would not invade again in this church an adulterous affair that splits a marriage and we lose another family. God, I know the devil's mad and I know the devil didn't want me to preach this message because, dear God, I know the battles. And I thank you for your forgiveness and I thank you, Lord, for your grace that you've bestowed upon many families in this church to go on anyway not rent their robes, not throw their marriage away. But Lord, help us. Help us, dear God, to see the, in the book of wisdom how we can ponder the path of our feet. In other words, God, we can see the end of sin before it happens. By wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, is the home filled with precious precious gifts such as love and peace and joy and security for the wife and significance for the man. And Lord, thank you. Thank you, dear God, that you've given us marriages that exalts and depends upon thee. Here's our prayer.